This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. If we should be frightened, if we should hide under the bed, hide under the couch, or we should be ecstatic because the Nets, about 20 minutes ago from our recording, pulled off their best win of the season, one of the best wins we've seen them have. And they've had a lot of wins lately, so we got a lot to choose from. But closing out the Miami Heat on the road without Kevin Durant, while we were both, Mike Basegli and me, Evan Roberts, chewing our fingernails off out of nervousness, so where do you want to start with how scared you are or how pumped up you are about this incredible win? Man, I hate to be the negative guy, but I think you got to begin with KD. Uh, I'll say, yeah, uh, but but it's your show. But I, I, it feels good to get that win, man, and I'm pumped up about it. And I think it's just kind of putting some cologne over what could be out for a little bit of time because it looked very similar to what we saw last year. And unfortunately, I'm just going to be honest, there's been so much bad luck to the Nets over the last couple of years your mind just goes to a bad place and obviously we need more information, but it's, I personally uh, thrilled. They won feels good, but I know tomorrow when you wake up and you wait for your woge tweet, it's going to be scary. All right. So here's the thing. And I'm not normally the positive guy. Obviously, if this turns into a catastrophic season ending injury, that's a different story, but let's just say it follows a similar suit to a year ago where he misses a lot of time. It wasn't the end of the season. Well, it turned out to be the end of the season, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it didn't turn out to be a a season-ending injury. What makes me feel good is what this team just did Uh, against a very very good opponent on the road without Durant in the fourth quarter, having to erase an eight-point deficit, having to close a team out offensively and defensively. They went out and they did it. And I know they won the game Durant got hurt in last year, but let's not forget who that was against. It was at home against at the time, a very bad Pelicans team. And they had a huge lead. Yeah. So winning that game was not impressive. Winning that game was a sigh of relief. And then obviously the Nets completely fell apart without Kevin Durant. What gives me hope off of this win and why this win matters so much is that we looked into our future potentially. There is a very good chance, I think a very good chance, that Durant misses some kind of time. Now, hopefully it's not a lot of time, but he's going to miss time. The idea he's going to play Thursday night against the Celtics is unlikely. I'd be stunned by that. We'd be ecstatic, but I'd be stunned. So what makes me feel good is that we got a full quarter, and I know most of the fourth quarter KD would have sat under normal circumstances, probably at least the first four or five minutes of the quarter before he gets reinserted. But the Nets closed out a game against a contender, not an average team. Not a bad team against a contender. And they did it without Kevin Durant. I I completely agree with all of that. And I also say to your point about Durant, you know, he would have missed the first four or five minutes anyway. I think there's something different for the mentality for the group when they know Kevin's not coming back in. So even though he would have missed four or five of those minutes, 
it's a little bit different also because they know he's not coming back in. So I think that shows even more grit from the team, which I love. The problem for me, Evan, is I am not unable personally to get that feeling of, oh, it'll be a month. Until I have clarity of what it is, it's really hard to just sit here and, and be like, oh, I see our future. But we don't know what to the extent it is. And that has me uncomfortable. It's the unknown. It's just, I think it's human nature in life, just not knowing what's going to happen, waiting for the MRI, having to be patient, all the things that we have seen. So I agree with everything you said. And I think if there is a Durant injury that's serious and there's an amount of time missed, I do believe this team is better equipped to take care of it. I do believe that as well. But it's just so many good vibes, such feeling well. Now they're 27 and 13. It was like something always there. And you know, anytime Durant's gone down in the last three years, it's always been this nerve wracking feeling. And it's just funny how like the two times where it was like not that big of a hit is the ones that got him. And I, I guess we don't know what's going to happen yet. But man, after all the falls he's taken, the dips and the and the dives down on the court on drives, offensive plays, where he's flying in the air. It's like these freak little knee things. And I just watched the video from last year. It was like such minimal contact too. it's so frustrating. I know, and, and what's crazy is Kevin plays the game with a reckless abandon, uh-huh. which you can't take away from him. Uh, so we see him fall to the ground a lot over the course of a 35-minute night that he normally has. And he's one of those guys, he's the opposite of Vince Carter. I've said this before. Vince Carter would take a hit, and he would lay on the ground for the first seven seconds as if someone shot him, as if he was never going to get up. And so Vince Carter caused me a lot of aggravation a long time ago because I never knew if he seriously was hurt. KD, to his credits, the opposite. When he goes down, and he goes down a lot, this happens on a nightly basis, he usually jumps right back up. So when Kevin lays there for any more than two and a half seconds, it's going to cause concern. And so if we examine what the hell happened, we had two injuries. We had the play at the basket where he banged knees with, I think it was Jimmy Butler, and he goes down and gets up and then ends up playing the next seven minutes of the game because this was early on in the third quarter. There was about seven or eight minutes to go. And he shakes off his knee, you hear him rub it a little bit, and that was our first scare. That's when you and I was texting each other about, oh, here we go again. Yeah. But he stays in the game. And then that's when we get the second knee issue, which was similar to what happened last year with Bruce Brown, where Butler falls into his knee. Right. So which one's the injury? Was he playing with kind of a bum knee to begin with for those seven minutes? Or was that a false alarm? And the second thing is what damaged the knee. Like, what was it? Yeah, it's a really good point. I don't know. And I guess they'll talk to him and they'll try to figure out maybe if something got tweaked a little bit and the second hit put him over the top. Who knows? And eh. It's good. It's a good question to ask, and it's a good thing to bring up because it just felt like there was an eerie feeling, and I had it when he went down like that. And like in the back of my mind, I was just like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." But then it was almost like this weird circumstance and this feeling inside, as if something else was going to happen, and it ultimately did. And I'll be just, you know, let's say Kevin is out for an extended period of time, and as good as this team has been playing, and they're twenty-seven and thirteen. This is this is going to be a big, big moment for Ben Simmons because he's shown he's been okay and he's done some good things passing and rebounding, but like overall, not nearly the star he once was. And and with Kevin Durant out, with Kevin and Kyrie in there, and then playing at 
MVP level status of basketball. Ben's kind of average to below average basketball over the last couple of weeks has gone unnoticed, especially, you know, nationally by the people that like to poke fun at the nets and poke fun at Ben. But with Kevin, if he's out, this is going to be a huge, huge moment for Ben. And I'm not saying the scoring is going to come from him, but just his overall aggressiveness. They're going to need a better Ben Simmons to keep afloat uh, if Durant's out. Well, look, it falls on everybody because, and we saw this late in the game, Kyrie's just going to see a hell of a lot more double teams. I mean, Mm -hmm. much like we saw Durant frustrated at times last year when he was seeing doubles and triples, and he really didn't have a lot of help. They made the James Harden trade. Kyrie Irving wasn't available for a lot of games. It was target Kevin Durant. Now it's going to turn into target Kyrie Irving. If history is any kind of guide, and I know the first year he was here, it was a hamstring issue. And it was weird because he had the hamstring issue. Then he played. Then he got hurt again. He missed a little under two months. And to the Nets' credit, they were equipped to deal with it. And they played well without Durant. But that's kind of at the height of the big three that they had. James Harden was playing. Kyrie Irving was mostly playing. And they played really well without him. So he missed time between it was February 15th and April 5th. That was the period of time he missed. You do the math. It's a little bit under two months. It's the same thing last year. Last year, he got hurt on January 15th. That game I mentioned against the Pelicans. He came back on March 3rd. So very similar, not quite two months, a little bit under two months. I'm not telling you it's going to be the exact same timetable, but we saw in the first year is that they thrived without him. What happened last year is they collapsed. If I had to guess right now, it's neither of those two things. They're not going to thrive without Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. I don't care how much everyone steps up. They can play well without him. I mean, this was an encouraging win and an encouraging sign that they're certainly not going to crumble like they did last year. Because last year, at times when Durant wasn't out there and you didn't have James Harden, or you did have James Harden, and Kyrie Irving wasn't available, bro, they looked like a lottery team. They were terrible. They were awful. They were a bad team. Oh, the non-competitive Celtics games, because there were a few of them uh, where they were non-competitive. The one in Brooklyn where they were down, what was it, like 25 nothing, Something like that? (laughs) That's crazy. Exactly. Oh, it was awful. They are equipped to survive this. Uh, That doesn't mean they're going to thrive. It doesn't mean they're going to catch the Celtics necessarily, and that'll be a tough task if Durant's out for an extended period of time. But... It's different in that they shouldn't drown like they drowned a year ago when they went three and 15, I think, without Kevin Durant. I have to give you credit, Evan, because you're poised right now. And like, I guess from the win, it's the win. It's just I'm I need I need answers on what's going to happen. I know I can't get that right away. And I I just get the, you know, I just fear the worst with him because of his past history, everything that's happened. But yeah, there's always this like six to eight week period now with Kevin Durant gets hurt and is out. And it felt like maybe this year was going to be different. And it clearly, you know, is not. And, you know, we're going to be last year, you know, it was, Oh, well, if Kevin Durant's out for this amount of time, the other guys get more minutes and they'll see better time and, and, and play better. Nope. That's, you know, everything was awful. And then the, the, the two years before James Harden, 
that's when he made his MVP case. And that's when people were having this discussions. Well, can James Harden be an MVP, even if he requested a trade out of Houston? And this is what you're getting. He was so good with Kyrie Irving. Those two were dynamic together and they really took off and made one of the best backcourts I've ever seen. And that's when they were able to just play so great. But, you know, that prime type James Harden isn't here. Now, this team has a lot of depth, but. It's just going to be different. It's just going to be frustrating, too. 27 and 13. I mean, just the amount of joy and love that this Nets team over this last you know month or so since December started has shown has been so much fun. As a fan, you just get frustrated because there's always something that pops up. Yes. And you just it just it just has never ending cycle of hell. And, you know, felt like we were starting to break out of it a little and. Now we have to wait and hear what's what's going on with KD. Listen, man, I, I want Kevin Durant to play every single game. I mean, I feel like we're lucky we get to watch him play basketball, and he's only missed one game this entire season, and that was the game where everybody sat against the Pacers and they won anyway. So we have been spoiled this year where there haven't been any maintenance days. There haven't been any lingering or minor injuries. He's gone out, and he's hooped every single game. And selfishly, we'd all like to watch him every single game. And the Nets are the best team or a better team when Durant is out there. But I was mentally waiting for this. And Hmm. I'm surprised you weren't. And I think most Net fans should have. Because when you look at his age and you look at what his track record is now as a Brooklyn Net, his track record is when he plays, he's awesome. But he's going to miss time. It happened in year one. It happened in year two. It's inevitably happening in year three. And what I told myself in year one and in year two, even though it was a disaster in year two and led to the end of the Harden era, and I'll say it again in year three, is if he's going to miss time and he's missing time every year, this is the time to miss it. I don't want him missing it in April. That's for damn sure. Or May. I don't want, you know, Giannis falling into his knee in the midst of the Eastern Conference semifinals. I'd rather it happen now. And if it's going to be that same timetable of, let's say, six and a half weeks, let the six and a half weeks happen now. Seriously, if I was ever going to map it out, I wouldn't even do it at the beginning of the season. I wouldn't choose that because I wouldn't want my team getting buried. I wouldn't want my team struggling. They've given themselves a cushion. These guys have played together. They've been relatively healthy this year as I knock on wood, because hopefully after this Durant injury, no one else is getting hurt, that this is now a team that has to live and survive without him. And we're watching Nick Claxton have an absolute breakthrough season. He is a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. That isn't us being fanboys by any stretch. That's not like a pro net thing. He's played on that level. We've seen what TJ Ward adds to this team with Utah Watanabe adds to this team. Seth Curry has had his Seth Curry performances. We're still kind of waiting for the consistency from Joe Harris, but this is a good basketball team. And without Durant, I'm not saying they're going to continue an 18 and two run. I'm not predicting that, but they should win more basketball games. They lose than they lose. And Oh, by the way, they actually have a real head coach. Let's not leave that out. Yeah. And, it was an impressive win going into Miami and stealing that. It was 100 to 93. Everything felt like it was just about to crumble. And and then the Nets came back. They made their run. They got they got the lead. They had a chance to extend it to six when Royce O'Neal missed that three-point shot. So Miami then went back down, ended up taking the lead. And 
I mean, the Nets show grit in these close games. They just seem, it's remarkable, and it's amazing, too. You look at this first half when 66-64 is the score, and then what did this game end, 102-101? I mean, it was that second (laughs) half was like, you know, Nick's heat in the 90s. It was crazy. But just but think about this. Missed, it was it was remarkable. But think about this. They went, I think it was about five and a half minutes without a field goal. But they defended at a high level. And they never let the game get out of hand. As they were going through that shooting slump, which I think ended on a Durant three. Mm-hmm. Memory serves After correct. A the second ben chance putback. Yeah, That's right. Um, they they Their defense kept the minute their defense was able to make sure that even as they were going through that awful offensive period of time in the third quarter that they were in the basketball game and they are they have turned in to a really good defensive team on a night in night out basis and that's how they won the game i know you could have called a foul on that final play on o'neill absolutely it's 50 50 but in fairness you could have called a foul on the royce o'neill putback it could have been an n1 for royce there was a lot of contact in the last two minutes of this game and they let him play, and the Nets made plays. That's the bottom line. I will say, we do have to admit, you hmm. got to tell me what you were thinking when Kyrie Irving pulls up from about, you know, I'm exaggerating, but 40 feet to unleash that, you know, long-distance three as it's coming out of his hands. I'm cursing him. I'm like, you effing, what are you doing? As it bounces high in the air, first I thought Watanabe was going to get it. That it bounces off his hands and up Royce O'Neal's hands, and he puts it back. I mean, Kyrie got kind of got bailed out. Let's be honest. What was your reaction when he put that shot up? Well, first off, I want to say I like the idea of not calling the timeout and letting Miami set up their defense. I like the idea of taking it, pushing it, not letting them set up, going into your offense, using your timeout they have in the bank. I do like taking a shot with a couple seconds on the clock so you could get a putback, or if you missed it, you can foul and extend the game just a smidge. But taking a 40-foot three with eight, nine seconds left was not a good shot. He got very (laughs) lucky. But, I mean, to his credit, his confidence right now is at an all-time high that he just feeling like, I can just, if I get some space, it's like a Damian Lillard-type, you know, pull-up three. He felt comfortable about it. Not the right shot in that chance. I mean, he can get to the rim at any time that he wants to or get a better shot. That was not it. I also think, bringing back to what you said before, Evan, He's so concerned about a double team coming that he felt yes. that might have been. I mean, I'd be interested to see what he says in the post game. He might say something like, I felt the way they were double teaming me. That was the best opportunity I, I had for a clean look. Maybe there was something to that, knowing that he didn't want to release the ball and get it to somebody else, that he just ha- felt like he had to chuck it up. Uh, it did work out for the Nets. And there's another Royce O'Neal putback, which started this streak, or not this streak, but started the decent play the putback in Portland, um, you know, here they are again, Royce O'Neal. And this is a game, and I've said this a lot. I've said this a lot. This is the game they would have lost last year. This is the game last year, too, where that that play at the very end with Jimmy Butler would have been a defensive foul on Royce O'Neal. But things have just been different for this team, especially in the last month, where little things like that are going their way. And uh, just... You know, 27 and 13, they're on like a 55, 56 win pace, which is insane. A lot of last year, the game isn't close. Put it that way. They would have two things would have happened. Number one, as they were struggling offensively in the third quarter, they would have fallen behind by eight to 10 points. That's number one. And number two, when Durant goes down, they would have folded. I don't think it would have been a close game. This Mm. had a chance to not be a close game. Miami got it to eight. 
with, I think it was about four or five minutes to go in this game. Maybe a little bit more time than that. Maybe six, seven minutes to go in this game. So not only what you described about the last play of the game you're right on, but I think there were other things that would have led this to being a blowout where it just would have been an ugly, ugly loss. And you're right. That was the other thought I had about why Kyrie unleashed so early. I think he thought they were going to send another defender, and this is the best look I'm going to get. Plus, not I don't know if he was thinking this, but it worked out this way. There were guys under the basket ready yeah. to rebound. I mean, if it yeah. wasn't O'Neal, Watanabe got his hands on it, and there was a lot of contact. So I didn't love the shot, but I guess that's the thinking behind the shot. And the Portland game that you talked about, that was the other game up until this point that I circled as, that's a great win. I also thought the Pelican game the other mm-hmm. night was a great win because after you have a long winning streak, I, I say this with the Mets and the Yankees too when we talk baseball, it's always important right after that streak ends, respond. Don't let it turn into a losing streak. Look at what the Knicks have done. Big winning streak, big losing streak. Now, to their credit, they then turned it into a winning streak. Right. But – I thought the Pelican game was big, especially when they were down early and to follow it up with this and have back-to-back wins. And then look to have three days off right now is probably the best timing in the world to have three days off because they got a long West coast trip coming up in a few weeks. And obviously the Durant injury and remember that trip coming up. I said this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was a couple of months ago now when the Kyrie Irving stuff was going on and we were uncertain about the future of this team. That was the date. I pointed at and said, that's when we'll know if we should blow it up or not. Like, let's give this team a couple of mm-hmm. months. And that was the date. I think it's the beginning of this West coast trip, which is coming up when they go to San Antonio next week. It's a five game road trip, San Antonio, Phoenix, Utah, golden state. And then it ends on the East coast in Philadelphia in mid to late January. That was the year I pointed at and said, we'll know if they should blow it up or not. So I think we're both in a lockstep that they should not blow it up, right? I would say no. It's 27 and 13, Evan, <laughs> uh, and a chance to have the best record in the NBA on Thursday. I would say correct. Don't blow it up. Keep it going. And yeah, it'll be nice to have a couple of days. And this is, look at all these road wins. You know, we talked, you, you made a great point about the Pelicans game, this game. To go on the road and win all these games, it's, it's difficult. You know, the Pelicans are well-coached, hard-working team, even without their two stud stars, to go into that building and win when your shots weren't dropping. And then, of course, in Miami, a Heat team that's been playing much better basketball of late, to go in there, have Durant hurt, and win the game. I mean, that says volumes, and we'll see We'll see where things go now. As It's oh. kind of like, this is almost like, to me, there's been – there's phase one. There's there was phase one of the net season, which was a cluster. There was phase two, which is the best streak, one of the best streaks we've seen in franchise history. And now we're about to enter phase three. You know, KD less. Yes. What happens? And fingers crossed, it's not too bad. I'll leave everybody with this interesting stat. You talk about the Nets playing on the road. There are only three teams in the entire NBA who have winning records on the road. Mm. Obviously, the Nets are one of them. They're fourteen and eight. The other two teams, the only other two teams in the NBA with winning records on the road, of course, Hmm. the Boston Celtics. The other one, the New York Knicks. How about Hmm. that? (laughs) Yeah, they were struggling early at the Garden. So that kind of, and I remember them getting all those road wins, and they did decent on that West Coast trip. So, yeah, I guess they've been a good road team. I guess that that makes sense. 
They just so they under five hundred at home then, or is they're it ten and ten at home. They're ten okay. and ten at home. They're twelve and eight on the road. You do all the math. They're twenty two and eighteen. That's how you get there. Gotcha. Uh, we'll do another pod the next couple of days, next couple of weeks probably. I'm not gonna lie, a couple of days, probably next couple of weeks. <laughs> but you can check out Mike Mike delivers pod on Twitter. Obviously, me and Craig Monday through Friday at two o'clock. Appreciate you listening to the Evan Roberts podcast.